Hi, this is Dan Sullivan. I'd like to welcome you to the Multiplier Mindset Podcast. I was caught in the U.S. draft, the military draft in 1965, right at the beginning of the Vietnam War. I had been in college, but I dropped out for a year after two years of university, and I went to Europe, came back. I didn't have my deferment, so I was drafted. And what they did in 1965, they drafted from basically 26 years old or 25-year-old down, and I was 21 at the time. And so I got caught in the draft and went to basic training in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Very hot, July, August, September. For the most part, basic training in the Army. I mean, there's a little bit of physical challenge to it. You have to learn things like shooting and throwing grenades and night exercise where you're under barbed wire and you're going through pools of water and they're shooting live machine gun shells over your head. So you have to have your wits about you. But most of all, it's just really, really boring. And the most boring day of the week was always Sunday because you didn't have anything on Sunday. So it was the day that went the longest. And I grew up Catholic and I was an alder boy for eight years. So I would go to mass on Sunday morning and I went down and I noticed one of the masses, there was no mass server. So no alder boy. So I went up afterwards and I said, you know, I'm here for the next, I don't know what it was, eight weeks. And I said, I'd be happy to volunteer for Mass to serve. And the person I volunteered to wasn't the Catholic priest. He was a Protestant minister, but he was the commanding officer, uh, colonel. So I came the first week and I served Mass and then he met me. He had heard about me volunteering and you have to remember that the first thing anyone tells you in the Army is never to volunteer for anything. And my thinking back then was, well, if nobody's volunteering, and you do volunteer, that means you're going to come into the spotlight in a very positive way. So he said, it would be really helpful if you could serve two Masses. That would be really great. And so for the rest of the Sundays during my basic training, I served two Masses. The last week before we got our orders, and you would go on to technical school, AIT it was called, there was a message that I was to report to the chapel to Colonel so-and-so. I came in and he said, you know, every time we have a group come through basic training, one or two of them have to become chaplain's assistants because the chaplains are officers and There's a lot of them in the military, and we need a steady supply of chaplain's assistants. And he told me what it was all about. He says, first of all, he says, do you type? And I said, no. So he says, you're going to have to learn how to type, so we'll send you to typing school. Do you drive stick shift because you had to drive Jeeps? And I said, no, I don't. He says, well, we'll teach you to drive stick shift. And he says, do you know how to fire a forty-five? And I said, no, I do not. And he says, well, we're going to send you to practice carrying a 45 because in combat situations you're going to be the bodyguard for the chaplain because it's oftentimes they're actually at the front lines. So anyway, I did all that and he said, would you be interested in this? So, I mean, he was asking me if I was interested and this was an unusual army experience. People usually don't ask you if you're going to do something. He says, your choice. And I said, wow, that's really, really great. And I said, sure, I'll do it. I said, why wouldn't I do it? And he said, well, we're really grateful for you doing what you're doing, and we really appreciate your help here. And I said, wow, 
this is really interesting. And I began thinking about this, and I said, first of all, it made my Sundays go really much more quickly by having morning duties. So uh, when I got back, uh, it wasn't until after lunch that I got back. And I was, you know, and I was really useful and I was appreciated, kind of a hero. And I said, wow, this is really, really neat. So long story short, I used that original experience in basic training. This was near the end of the year when I finally ended up at my permanent posting, which was in South Korea town called Daegu, which is about halfway down from the DMZ, separating North and South Korea, to Pusan, which is the port city. So there's three big cities in Korea. One, Seoul is the biggest, a huge city, and then Pusan, which is a port city, and then there's Daegu. So I was there, and I had a chaplain, a major, very unhappy person, and he was very critical, tremendous perfectionist, and One of the things that bothered him is that I seemed to be having too much fun because he didn't believe that you should be in the Army and having fun. I think he was really hard on himself. I think he was really in the gap. But I had had theater experience. I had been a theater major in university, and they had a really great entertainment center at the base. After hours, I went down, and I met the entertainment director, and I said, you know, I've done a lot of theater work, and I notice you're putting on plays and I'd be happy to help out after hours. And he said, oh, that'd be so terrific. And as it happened, very suddenly, one of the actors in a play that they were putting on had to be transferred two weeks before the opening performance. He approached me and he said, this is really last minute, but he said, can you learn the lines? And it was Barefoot in the Park, Neil Simon play. And I learned all the lines in about two weeks, and I actually performed in the play. And what might have been something that they had to cancel, went on, and it was a real success, and I really enjoyed it, and everybody thought I was a hero. But again, I had volunteered, and I was beginning to notice this pattern that if you volunteer in the Army, all sorts of really interesting things happen. The major, the Catholic chaplain, he really, really didn't think that this whole thing of really enjoying yourself was the right thing. But I was enjoying myself because I was kind of designing my own Army career, It really, really came to a head two months later when the commanding officer of the base, I went to see him and he says, well, Mr. Chandler, the entertainment director, is finished with his tour of duty and now he's going back to the United States and we don't have a replacement. And he recommended that you've been so useful around the entertainment center. He recommended that I offer you the possibility that you would take over. Now, I have to tell you, this is a bit risky because when the new entertainment director comes, We don't know when it is, and that was a civilian job, so I was just a private, or I don't know what my rank was at that point. He says, if you choose to do this, he says, you're going to lose your position as chaplain's assistant right off the bat because you can't do both. And if the new director comes, then you're going to be reassigned, and I can't guarantee you could be sent to a combat unit in Vietnam. And I said, sure, I'll volunteer. I said, why wouldn't I? I said, sounds really interesting. And I wanted to get away from the unhappy major, the chaplain assistant anyway. So the chaplain was called in to the officers and he said, we just want you to know we're reassigning your chaplain's assistant to the entertainment director. And did he ever hit the roof? He was so angry at that. So I took a bit of an outrage session with him, but I was feeling really terrific about the fact that I was controlling my own fate in the army. And so I took over and it was 
basically the last 14 months of my Army career and the civilian director never came. So I was the entertainment coordinator. I wasn't the entertainment director. I was an entertainment coordinator. But all the duties that he had were now mine. And I organized the USO shows when they came through. And we organized local bands. And I produced and directed five plays. The base that I was on had American families, which means that I had women and children for the place, which was terrific. From the moment that I took over that position, I didn't have to wear a uniform. I didn't have to live in the barracks. I wore civilian clothes and I had rights to the officers club because I had to be seen after the entertainment needs of the officers and the NCOs. I had a Jeep of my own. Some situations I had a helicopter. I had six Korean civilians who worked for me. And I just had a wonderful military career. As a matter of fact, when I got to the end of it, I was enjoying it so much, I was almost a little bit sad that I had to leave the service. But I wasn't going to re-up. I wanted to get back to civilian life, so I did. But what it really told me is two things about this. When somebody gives you advice that you never want to do this, nobody does this. The first thing you have to understand is that nobody does this. I always look at it very closely and I say, well, if nobody's doing it, then if I do it, there's going to be a huge opportunity. And the other thing is that volunteering in a situation where hardly anybody volunteers makes you an incredible hero. I won't use the word volunteer so much, but creating value where you don't have to create value always sets you apart from everybody else. So in my entrepreneurial life, I will just do a lot of work for the most ambitious and successful entrepreneurs in the strategic coach outside of the strategic coach program. And I never ask for any payment. I said, I've got really good coaching skills and I'll just help you out because I think what you're doing is really great. I've got examples like my work with Joe Polish and with Peter Diamandis and right now with really pushing the VASPR exercise equipment. I do all that just because I think they're really good things. I think that the work that these entrepreneurs doing is really special. I don't want to be paid for it, but it gives me a chance to be a hero in a different way. So just from that two years of experience in the Army, I think a lifelong pattern has been established. And this is why when I'm in my 70s, I'm still so excited about everything that I'm doing in Strategic Coach, because in a very real way, I keep getting to open up completely new experiences and completely new opportunities and develop completely new skills, because I just want to create value. So I in essence, I'm still volunteering and whole new things are opening up in my life.